evening boils and ghouls. Is this a bottle opener on this lighter? Yeah, that's a it's a lighter bottle opener. Really? Yeah. For when you're drinking and you're smoking? Yeah. So you can pop the cap oh, on your beer. Should. Uh and then light your cigarette and then pop a cap in someone else. I'm genuinely shocked. Like, it's also branded for D.C. This is like fucking hashtag D.C.-based podcast. I'm just saying. <laughs> hashtag two best friends <laughs> trying their damnedest not to ghost on y'all. <laughs> True. Uh, so. We just trying to stay alive this week, y'all. I'm going to tell you what. I have seen death, and I have shook hands with him. <laughs> I have laid with him. <laughs> I have laid with him. <laughs> uh, and he's a, a horrible lover. <laughs> Girl. So you guys will have to forgive me. I have been uh, not feeling well. Uh, as you can probably tell by my voice, it might work, actually, for the episode. Who knows? You can get that slow, raspy voice. You might be into it. Or not. I think they'll probably be into it. Maybe. We'll see. It's all good. You got this. That haunt's just kicked our ass. Shocktober? Yeah. yeah. It really has. I've, I've enjoyed it, though. I will have to say that. Like, I've had a really good time. I've been able to bring a bunch of people to their fucking knees. Mm-hmm. I usually send people crawling over other people. Like, they go up. Because <laughs> I'm little. <laughs> they got to go up to get away from you, me like you a cause, panther. You got to climb a tree. You cause them to lose control over their bodily functions. Yeah, it's true. They do. Yep. And they just see me and they drop it. They drop to their knees like they're in church, honey. <laughs> oh, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> You're fucking horse ass. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I got so... this horse ass voice from playing the chef. I was a chef for my first haunted role, and I brought you dinner. I thought it was perfect. I was the chef. The chef was me. Or maybe you were dinner. No. Your guests were dinner? Yes. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That Your made no sense. Dinner. You said you were dinner. You know, I just need to say I'm not here to make sense. I'm just here, period. For you, out of love for you. That's why. I'm just here. I mean, you guys as listeners, not love for Kenny. I mean, love for Kenny, too. What? What the fuck? <laughs> I just mean, I'm here with you, and that's what you got this week. <laughs> it's been a rough one. <laughs> it's been an up and down week. Man, I hope everybody else is doing great. <laughs> you I'm just, just wrote making... down your fucking timestamp. Yeah. <laughs> God, I wish you could do that with my life. I'm just really, writing down the timestamp. I really wish you could just jot down timestamps in my fucking life and just cut out parts that are not desirable. <laughs> God bless. That would be beautiful to know that there was a chubby man with a beard, a husky with a beard in heaven, say, bitch. and a book. Uh, husky. 
and a book just like writing down the moments in my life. I do some stupid shit. Well, and he's like, mm. he cuts the eyes at me and 5th, writes it down. October 5th, 2018 at 7.38 p.m. Can I just cut that right out? Yeah, we're just going to cut that one and we will pick back up tomorrow morning. We'll try again. <laughs> we'll just do Take some copy and time. paste and, and some cut. It's going to be all good. Yep. I believe we have an invocation this evening. We do. We have... Uh, yet another person. Yet another motherfucker. Another motherfucker. Up on this bus. Has decided to leave some coin on that dresser. Honey. Our dresser's got so many coins now. <laughs> we need another dresser. To put beside the dresser. Yeah. yeah. So tonight we are welcoming a very special new member of our cannibal cult, and her name is Amanda Farley. So, Amanda, we want to send you all of the good vibes, and we want to say thank you from the bottom of our hearts for supporting us and loving us and listening to us and engaging with us on the Facebook group. So we will light your candle at the top of this episode. It will burn with us throughout the episode and forever in our haunted hearts. In our dark, haunted hearts. And that one had a bit of an extra pop and crackle to it. It did. All right. It was a little, um, it was a little feisty. Yes, it was. Much like Amanda, much (laughs) like my girl. Yes, so. So thank you and welcome. Welcome to the family. We're happy you're here. Pull up a chair. We got room for you. Yes, at our always ever forever growing table. Patreon members, we could not do this without you. Girl, I hope it's forever growing. <laughs> forever, it's the optimistic. table is forever growing. Yes, yes, put it. Out I was into thinking the more universe. like a forever growing Manson bus of Patreon members, <laughs> like a Manson family bus style. Well, you're on the Manson desert bus. Living. They're coming to sit down at my spooky Halloween table for Halloween <laughs> supper. Either way, we let them pick. Which one do you want? Which do you want to join the Manson bus? Do you bus? love mommy or do you love daddy? Do you want to one? Do you want to join some smelly cult hey, and drive? Hey, they weren't that smelly. I mean, they smelled like drugs all the time, but I mean, they were yeah. Well, or would you rather sit at an immaculately decorated, spooky Halloween table? I'm just saying. I mean, some of those RVs have like pull-out tables, so we could we could make it the best of both worlds. I believe in you. I believe that you could like Pinterest, like HGTV, Halloween level, an RV for us oh, to live in. Oh, fuck yeah. A black and orange RV. We just travel the world. Fuck yeah. We just Or not drive. the world, but the, <laughs> the world. Travel the country. <laughs> I mean, we could travel the world if we had a ship also. Travel the world. We drive straight into the ocean. <laughs> Just straight in. Woo! That's this episode today, Just go man. into the... Just drive onto the pier. God. Right off and just poof, crash right into the ocean. Just drive till it's October, man. 
It's like it's like the scene is like we're all like having a good time and it's all fun and our spooky little van and it's cute <laughs> and everything and there's like we stop at little cute little spooky roadside attractions. Mm-hmm. We're all like eating ice cream mm-hmm. from like a little hole in the wall stand and there's mm-hmm. like fun music playing and then you and I just look at each other <laughs> and fucking um, uh, Thelma and Louise style just fucking <laughs> drive off the fucking pier. <laughs> I feel like that's what happened this week as we are late gathering together because we're dying. Yeah. (laughs) That was a little bit you this week. (laughs) I was worried about you. Yeah. Again, like I said, I have seen death. It's kind of like, all right, uh, so this is an excellent I have seen death and I told him I have a podcast (laughs) to record. Yes. I mean, essentially. Uh, No, it's kind of like that. This is a, this is a. This is a perfect segue, by the way. Mm-hmm. I just need you to listen to this masterful All right. Segue. I'm glad that you told me that we're segueing so I can get ready for it. Yes. <laughs> like Dr. Loomis says in Halloween, evil has come to your town. <laughs> no, death has come to <laughs> your town is God what he damn. says. You didn't misquote No, he says death has come death to your has town. Come to your town. He says That's that he me. looked evil in in the eyes and saw nothing. Yeah, well, that's a separate quote. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Those evil, evil in the Those eyes. Are the two death has come to your little town. Death sheriff. has come to your larynx, and that's what happened. <laughs> Doctor Loomis came up and he says, "Death has come." Your voice and your body. Death has come to your lungs. And so that leads us into our topic of the week. Because guess what, motherfuckers? It's about Michael. It finally is about Michael. 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 That was the boogeyman. I'm just going to say, unpopular opinion, I probably would have killed Judith Myers, too, because that bitch was annoying. I know we're supposed to love her. I mean, her. yeah, she was... What, what, did you not like she the way she really, was brushing her hair? No, I just... She was just very, like... I don't know. When she started... I guess if he hadn't stabbed her the first time. But you know what I mean? Like, if you were, like, a little bit, like, uncommitted and you stabbed her the first time and then she started screaming like that, you got to make her stop. Like, it's really annoying. Michael. I can't even do it because of my voice. Michael. Yeah, I can't do it because I'm just not that level of, like, fucking... Shrill. Yeah. Uh, No, you can be pretty shrill. Um, I don't like to call my... I don't like to think of it as being shrill. I can be rather, um... Bette Midler-esque? Yeah, but I don't call that shrill, because she's very, like, strong and, like, big and imposing. You know what I mean? Shrill is, like, waif-like and... Like Judith Myers. You know what I mean? Oh, I thought it meant, like, a... I thought that was something to do with the voice. I mean, I think it is, but I think the connotation with shrill is, like, small. Oh, well, fuck me then. (laughs) (laughs) Just, all right, let me see. (laughs) Let's just write that one down as well. The whole episode is edited out, and, like, literally it gets released, and it's just like, well, hello, and then it cuts straight to stay spooky. Stay spooky. (laughs) That's it. That'd That's be it. hilarious. Oh my god! No, it's gonna get there. 
so as you all have, obviously, I mean, unless you've lived under a fucking rock, <laughs> uh, you know that the new Halloween movie was just recently released. And your witch mother and Midnight Werewolf caught that shit the moment it came out. For real. They Ooh. dropped it and we caught it. Yeah, exactly. She didn't even hit the ground. So what we thought we would do for this week's episode is sort of take a look back at all of the Halloweens, sort of go through them, talk about them, look at the evolution of Michael Myers. We'll probably talk about some of the different storylines. And then at the end, we'll save the best for last. We will give you our thoughts and our review on the new Halloween. Yes. So we're saving that part for last specifically for those of you who haven't seen it yet. Um, you got to see it. It's really good. Um, but we wanted to Fuck, give bitch, you guys... bitch, that's our review as it goes at the end. No, I'm just saying... I mean, of course they fucking know we liked it. We, like, freaking jizzed all over social media all week about I it. I fucking but, did. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about all of the... So there will be no spoilers... In the first bit of the episode, and before we get into talking about the new Halloween, we will let you know. We will play a tone of some kind, which may be me just saying tone. <laughs> but um, okay. we'll let you know uh, before we start talking about that shit, so you can tune the fuck out. Yes. So, let's start with the original, the baddest... The best. Yes. Halloween. All of the above. 1978. My favorite. Oh, of course. Obs. Definitely a favorite. Um, obviously, unless you're a fucking idiot, you know that that was... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to let you do this to our listeners the entire time. No, unless you're a fucking idiot, you... I'm not going to let you You know that them. that was directed by John Carpenter. Right. And it's Deborah Hill. I didn't realize this though that they were that was his girlfriend. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. They were banging. <laughs> what? <laughs> they were. Yeah, they were smashing. They were a thing. Yeah, she actually wrote um, most of the female dialogue for the for the oh, movie, which is pretty cool. interesting. So she is uh, the reason why you have PJ Souls saying totally, totally all the time. Totally. I bet PJ Souls just like fucking went home. After that shoot and was like, God damn. Like, I bet it annoyed. It annoyed all of us, but I'm sure that it annoyed her as well. Oh, totally. She was probably <laughs> like, fuck. Fuck. Yeah. I've I've met PJ Souls. She's uh, an amazing person. She's so friendly. She signed my Michael Myers mask uh, with Totally. That's awesome. And, yeah, so she's awesome. I really actually, I actually like her. She has one of my, uh, she has one of my favorite deaths. Oh, yeah. In the original Halloween. That was a, no, that was a good one. Naked with fucking telephone cord wrapped around the neck. True. You know my favorite is uh, the car death, though, where she goes cross-eyed right before she dies. Oh, yeah, Annie. I that, can that, only hope. That one's my, that, yeah, that one's actually my favorite. Is it? Yeah, that one is that actually my favorite. Or is it just my favorite, and now you're stealing it? No, is I've actually I have always said that that one was my favorite, and now <laughs> you have, so you're no, stealing I like, mine. I've always liked her because she looks like my mom did when she was that age, and so, you know. 
Yeah. She, <laughs> it doesn't have to be weird. She died, but it doesn't have to be weird. Like, she went all cross-eyed. My mom's fine, though. <laughs> it's the theme of this entire podcast. It doesn't have to be weird. It doesn't have to be. It really doesn't. Yeah. So they, if you did not know, it took them exactly 10 days to write the screenplay for yep. Halloween. And it was and shot. The shoot was fast too. Yeah, it was shot in the spring of 1978 over a period of only four weeks. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Southern California, so no fall. They had to make that shit up. They did. They that's brought a bunch you know, of leaves in. That's how you know that shit was real. Or they, they were made real. it up. Because they <laughs> like, made it up. That's how you know it was real because it was all bust in from other places. Exactly. Actually, if you watch the movie um, near the beginning where Lori's like walking around um, through Haddonfield, through the suburbs, you can actually see palm trees in the distance if you watch. Like if you look into the distance, you can see palm trees on yeah, the roads. It's, like, it's awesome. With leaves everywhere. <laughs> right. There's like all these fucking oak and maple leaves and then there's like a palm tree. <laughs> oh. No, they had to do what they had to do to make it work and that's what I appreciate about it. Because you can't just go to like Illinois and shoot. No, because they shot it in the spring so even if they went to <laughs> Illinois it would still be springy. This is So true. I guess they had to go somewhere where it was where there were Summer, no trees. Always. <laughs> Except the palms. But there were no trees but palms. <laughs> mm, if and you haven't Googled why you shouldn't put Christmas lights on palm trees, go ahead and Google that. It's great. All right. So anyway, <laughs> it grossed $47 million at the box office and $70 million total with international sales. And Deborah Hill was quoted as saying, The idea was that you couldn't kill evil, and that was how we came about the story. We went back to the old idea of Samhain, that Halloween was the night where all the souls are let out to wreak havoc on the living, and then came up with the story about the most evil kid who had ever lived. And when John came up with this fable of a town with a dark secret of someone who once lived there, and now that evil has come back, that's what made Halloween work. Would you be in agreement? I would agree. But you know that I feel like what makes Halloween work is my girl, Jamie Lee. Yeah, totally. (laughs) If you fucking say totally one more time in this episode, I swear to God. No, uh, this was her feature debut with her fine ass. And she... So for a while, she had a really, like, awkward relationship with this movie, right? She did. She, She, like... This was her, like, big debut, and it was obviously, like, very well-received. And then she went on to have a very illustrious acting career, and I think for a long time she was somewhat um, not uncomfortable with, but she was a little bit trying to escape the horror world. Um, And she was trying not to be seen as Laurie Strode. So that's what to me is so powerful and seeing her come back for the new Halloween is because it's kind of like a really cool, like bookend, not saying her career is over. I hope it's not, but like it's very cool to see her kind of revisit her roots. Yeah. For me, it was kind of like a come to terms with like, or like being comfortable to, to be like, and I'm not saying that she ever was like, I'm not Jamie Lee. I don't know how she feels or what she thinks, but for me, it would just sort of felt like, 
okay, this is my power. I like, or I have a power in this. Right. I, it's sort of like owning the role, owning the fact that she is iconic because of this role. Right. Cause I think she was very much, and she said as much in interviews that she was kind of at odds, not that she wished anything not that she wished the horror community ill will, but just that she was sort of at odds with being known for that. Yeah, and she never attended any horror conventions. Right. She's only ever... Done, like, one, Attended one, yeah. And there's actually a documentary. I can't remember if it's on Netflix or somewhere. I thought it was on Netflix when we watched it. I don't know if it's still on there now. Do you know what it's called? No, I don't remember. But there's a documentary on Jamie Lee Curtis... On her first ever visit to a horror convention. And so she sort of goes into detail about all of this and why she has only ever done that one. Um, so that's why it was so powerful when I s- saw her, you know, in the promos and all of this coming up and coming up for the new movie because I was like, damn, like I didn't expect this to happen again. No, because she had pretty much said as much. That, right. that would that that would never happen. Right. Um, sorry, I'm trying to find the name of this documentary because it was really really good. I remember you and I were crying. Um, oh, it's called the night she came home. Oh yeah, the night Duh. she came home. Fucking, that's what I thought it was, but I didn't want to say it and be wrong. It was made in 2013, so not even that long ago, and it very much had a vibe of like, you know, that this was her. One and only, um, with the horror community, like reconnecting. Yeah, I'd be interested. And now to here see, we are, five years later. Yeah, I'd be interested to see if she does, if she starts doing them, especially after yeah. this movie. So yeah. like next year's horror conventions, I'd be interested to I see. Mean, that would be amazing. I would hope so. So yeah, this one, um, the first one is obviously iconic. You can't. It really sort of laid. The ground for going into like 80s slasher you really just honestly can't hold a candle to it <laughs> like Mm-mm. now is this the first time that we refresh my memory as to what because all of them blend together for me and this one's the one that's most important so for me this is like the beginning of horror but i'm sure that like because i know um our first final girl is the girl from texas chainsaw massacre Marilyn? So, yeah, Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Black Christmas all preceded right. um, Halloween, but Halloween is credited as, like, the beginning jump of the slasher started era. It, right? Like, yeah. so you had these other films that were there, but Halloween, like, jump-started mm. the slash, or, yeah, jump-started and I guess essentially sort of created the actual slasher genre. Mm-hmm. Um, but some people would argue like Psycho started it. Right. And that's fair. Yeah. That's a fair statement. But I think really, I think Halloween really just sort of pushed it into the forefront and created that, that genre itself. Right. Um, so Psycho. Well, definitely helped to shape it a lot. Yeah. Psycho is a very, Psycho is a very specific story that is, specific to Norman Bates, right? Like, he, yeah. it's very centered on him. Whereas I think Halloween is more like a parable 
in that, or a fable, in that it's so generalized. They re- they really do leave it very open. They distinguish the characters, but they leave it open so that you can put yourself in the story. And you can put on, I think that's what makes Michael so scary, is because they do leave him so open that you kind of put whatever your worst fears are on him. You know what I mean? They right. don't explain a backstory. They don't explain why he kills Judith. They don't explain why he then wants to kill everybody else. And I think that that's what makes the first one so powerful. Yeah. I think the further we go, um, there became, and maybe this can kind of segue into talking about some of the other films, there became this strain of trying to explain why Michael yeah. does what he does. And to me, that has always been like the Achilles heel of all of the, um, all of the sequels, not so much the second one, cause the second one's pretty good, but all the sequels after that point, um, I think there's been a huge flaw with them trying to explain to you why Michael is doing what he's doing instead of just letting it be right. Unknown. Yeah. I mean, that's essentially, cause that's essentially, that's the formula of how he was created. Right. I mean, it was, Originally titled The Babysitter Murders. And so, mm-hmm. and it was just supposed to be about the shape who, right. you know, killed, you know, babysitters on, and it wasn't even supposed to be around Halloween. Right. It was John and Deborah who first said, okay, we'll do this. We'll write the script, but actually, you know what? Let's set it on Halloween. Mm-hmm. And so that's what sort of, that's the formula of what he is supposed to be about. And, while Halloween 2 is a great sequel, it started, the, I believe Halloween 2, in my personal opinion, started the downfall yeah. of Michael. Yeah. Because that is when they first introduced him as her as his sister. Right. Introduced Jamie as his sister. Yeah. So it was at that pivotal, pivotal moment that they started to explain yeah. Why? Yeah, I didn't like that that was kind of looped in. Um, but I still think the the second one I shelter from a lot of my criticism of a lot of the later films. Um, just because, I don't know, it, it still feels very authentic. About half of that movie's pretty good. Yeah. But once we start getting into like the deep psychoanalysis of him being you know, them being related and him wanting to destroy her because of that. It just kind of started. I get what you're saying about it starting the downfall. Yeah. So I kind of feel the same. Halloween two was actually directed by uh, Rick Rosenthal. It was not John Carpenter. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so he really sought out to create a continuation of the first Halloween. Mm -hmm. So in a lot of senses, he claimed that this wasn't really, his film Mm. Uh, because he was trying to mimic what John had, you know, already laid the ground for. And Halloween two came out in 1981. What I found was, so that was like six years after. No, three years, three years after. Sorry. Yeah. Three years. 81 minus 78 is only three. Turns out (laughs) (laughs) what um, I found was really funny. So while John Carpenter did not direct the second Halloween, uh, John and Deborah both still wrote um, wrote the story for it in the mm. screenplay, mm. and they're quoted as saying that it mainly dealt with like their writing mainly dealt with a lot of beer, 
sitting in front of a typewriter saying, what the fuck am I doing? I don't know. That's kind of like making this podcast. That's what I thought, too. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, damn. It's a lot like making this. Are we John and Deborah? If only. In the podcast if world? If only we fucking were. I'm, I'm so excited to talk about the podcast world on this episode. You don't even know. <laughs> but I can't yet. Um, another interesting tidbit about this is that when uh, it was originally uh, shot, Rick tried not to go too gory with it. Mm-hmm. But John came in and made the decision to include more gore and nudity. Um, and Rick sort of had like a... He took issue with that. Hmm. Um, and the reasoning was that since the release of Halloween in that three-year time span, horror movies had sort of changed and that there was inflation involved in terms of violence and gore and what you saw on screen to the point that John felt like that he was in a box and he could not do the same thing that Halloween had been doing. Because um, Halloween sort of set that bar... Yeah. And then in the three years since that movie, it had kind of, the bar had been raised. And yeah. so you kind of had to. Yeah. And so he thought, John thought that, you know, the final, or what he saw would be to tame um, for the slasher audience, since we now had a slasher audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they he refilmed several death scenes with a little more gore. And this was also the first film where they featured the song Mr. Sandman by the Cordettes. Oh, really? Yeah. That's the first time it was ever yep. featured? Yeah. Yeah. Which is really interesting because you it's like such an odd like song. And every time I hear it, I think of Michael. Hmm. And I'm like, I just never really understood what the... Like what it's about? Yeah. Well, no. I mean, I understand it's like Mr. Sandman, bring me a dream. So it's like bringing this person their dream man. Mm -hmm. So. I mean, for me, that's Michael. It makes perfect sense. It's just logic. (laughs) Yeah, I know. But that's for us. So I'm just (laughs) interesting to know, like, back then, like, why. But maybe they didn't think that it would catch on as much as it did. But for me, like, it's just iconic with Michael. Yeah, I think what they were going for is kind of like a... Because that song specifically has a lot of musical connection with the music of the 50s and 60s that was very like... Like, everything is fine, right? And you're like just kind of chilling and they're um, taking that vibe and injecting it into the midst of like this super violent, super gruesome horror movie, which I think is very cool. It's very, um, they're very, the two juxtaposed are very different. And I think that creates its own sense of, uh, making the viewer uncomfortable or shattering expectations. Similarly to, uh, the design of Michael's mask, which of course most people, obviously all of you guys probably know is based off of Captain Kirk's face, William Shatner's face who was uh, big at the time from being on Star Trek, and so everybody kind of knew that face. And so to have it redefined in a way that is, like, all white and kind of, like, some of the features are skewed a little bit because it's a plastic mask is kind of... There's an an element of uncanny valley there, and I think that's sort of what they were looking for in including that Sandman song, that same kind of vague familiarity, but it's just twisted enough that it's, like, 
suddenly now the familiar has become scary. And then you have sick fucks like us who just look at it as Michael as our dream man. Yeah, and then it's just, you know, or it could just be that he's Bay. Yeah. Speaking uh, of masks, you know they only paid like a dollar and like 50 cents for that mask or something something cheap like that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is so insane to even think about. Also, um, Nick Castle only got paid like $25 a day. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, Donald Pleasant's got... I hope he's making royalties AF now. I mean, yeah, but like, fuck. Jamie Lee Curtis got like $8,000. Oh, really? Yeah. And Donald Pleasant's, I think, got $20,000. Okay. Because he was Donald Pleasant. Yeah. Um, Jamie got eight thousand, and but then you've got Michael, the fucking star of the show, really, or one of them. Yeah. And he gets twenty five bucks a day. They were like, "Look, motherfucker, we just need somebody to put the suit on and walk around." I mean, that's you already what walking happened. around. I mean, that's essentially how it yeah, was. Yeah, for sure. Um, but coming back into Halloween two, did you know that there was actually a murder incident connected to Halloween two? Mm-mm. Yes. No, so, I did not. There was um, an incident with minor connections to the film that um, heightened attitudes about the potent about the potent effects of media violence on young people. Mm. Uh, on December seventh, nineteen eighty-two, Richard Boyer of El Monte, California, murdered France and Eileen Harbitz, an elderly couple in Fullerton, California, uh, which led to the trial People versus Boyer in nineteen eighty-nine. The couple were stabbed forty-three times by Boyer. And according to the trial transcript, Boyer's defense was that he suffered from hallucinations in the Harbits residence brought on by the movie Halloween 2, which the defendant had seen under the influence of PCP, marijuana, and alcohol. And the film was played for the jury, and a psychopharmacologist pointed out various similarities between its scenes and the visions uh, the defendant described. So Boyer was found guilty and sentenced to death, and the incident became known as the Halloween 2 murders, uh, which was something mm. that I did not... I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. That's very interesting, actually. Yeah. Okay, murder case. Okay, stepping on my toes. All right, little, <laughs> little tiny little murder minute. All right, little murder in a minute. Murder in a minute. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so... I love how sad your yes is. Yes. yes. Please, God, stay alive. Stay alive. At least Come to the through end of life. this episode. Come through life. Oh, my God. <laughs> Hold on. I actually have a fan. Maybe I can pop it. There you go. Come through it's life. It's probably just going to sound like a fart. Probably. A fart. <laughs> a fart. You got real jersey just then. <laughs> a fart. A fart. So... And now we get into Halloween Girl, 3. Can we just skip? No. So here's the thing. I fucking love Halloween 3 by itself. Mm. By itself, it is a phenomenal film, but people fucking hated it. Why did they hate it? Because for some reason, they decided not to put fucking Michael Myers in it. Right, because it had nothing to fucking do with Michael Myers. Yeah. Literally nothing to do with it. So, do you know how mad? Do you know? Now, you guys have had to put up with me for the past six to eight to nine to however many fucking months. Maybe my whole life. And my love of Michael Myers and learning that they were, we were going to get a new Halloween movie and how excited we were for the new Halloween movie and the trailer release for the new Halloween movie. 
I'm just going to say, put me back in 1982 and tell me that I'm getting a new Halloween movie. And then I walk my ass to the theater and I sit down and I pay my money and I get my popcorns and there's no Michael Myers in it. Girl, 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 girl. You would hate to be that movie theater manager. Well, he was in it, but he was just in like a side thing and like on a, he was like on a TV screen in a bar. Girl, no. So. Doesn't count. Yeah. Halloween 3 was, is actually one of my favorite Halloweens because it stands by itself. So it was written, directed by Tommy Lee Wallace, who was the creative director for the first Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um. And again, it's the only entry in the franchise that does not feature Michael Myers. So what happened was, is that they believed that John, and when I say they, I mean John and Deborah, they believed that they could create sort of like an anthology series um, that just centered around the night of Halloween so that mm. every time they could just create a different Halloween story. Kind of like story. Um, Creep Show? Freak yeah, show, Creep show. show, Trick or Treat. That's kind of the vein of where they originally wanted to take it. Yeah. Which is a cool thing. Yeah, I mean, that's a cool thing, and that's a cool idea, but here's the thing. Like... No, but you have Michael Myers. Like, you know what I mean? That's like like if you're at a fight, and you have a gun, but you just decide that you're going to use paper clips instead. Like, you Well, they had already... They had already... Like, had a second one with him in it. Right. You know they, what I mean? It's you not established like they made, a pattern. Yeah, it's not like they made Halloween 1 and then did, you know, the story for Halloween 3. Yeah. They did Halloween 1, Halloween 2, and then this. So people fucking hated it, but it's grown on people. It has a cult following. I'm a member of that cult. I absolutely love it. This is actually one of the few. And I like it because it, it does science fiction in a way that yeah. I like. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, you get that like technology, science fiction-y aspect of it. Because you've got the, um, they're like robot androids that yeah. murder people that work yeah. for the the big, the evil Irish guy. <laughs> and then you've got the you Celtic like influence into it too. So you've got like the Celtic slash science fiction part of it. And I mean, I just, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. I like, I like it because it's weird. And it's so, I, I like movies like that anyway, the, that are very grotesque, that are very, like, sort of weirdly positioned. And it does give me a similar vibe to, like, Creepshow. And, it, and I like that type of feeling. But I just needed it to be a different franchise. I needed it to be its own thing. I needed it to yeah. start its own thing. I, I needed it to not in any way be connected to Michael. And the fact that it was just kind of, just kind of tanked it. If it had yeah. been its own thing, it would have been amazing on its own, but connecting it to a franchise that was already so iconic just immediately signed it up for Oh, totally, totally. Um, shit. I mean, they did bring some of the actors back. So um, Nancy Kyes, who actually goes by the stage name as Nancy Loomis, she played Annie Brackett in the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, so she played... Um, Chalice's ex-wife, Linda. By the way, did you know she was actually born in Falls Church? Really? The actress who played Annie Brackett. No. Yeah. She was born in Falls Church, by the way. Annie Brackett being my cross-eyed favorite death, our cross-eyed favorite death, looking like my mama. Yep. Uh, And then also... I didn't realize she was in Halloween 3. 
Yeah, she is. She's in Halloween 3, and actually also Jamie Lee Curtis has a voice credit as I well. I didn't know that. Yeah, for one of the telephone operators. Yeah. Um, and also Dick Warlock, who, was, who played Michael in the second film, was one of the android assassins as well. Mm. So they brought some people back, but it just did not work. It flopped. Um, but understandable. I'd be pissed as hell, too. Yeah, I. it just, it wasn't, if it had been its own thing, it would have been amazing. But being connected to Michael. It just paled. I mean, you have yeah. fucking Michael right, right. now. Like, right. you've done created this badass motherfucker. Right. Just call it something else. Just call it, like, you know, November 1st. Just call it Season of the Witch. Or, or Season of the Witch. That would have been cool. Yeah. Even though witches weren't really that, you know. Also, a lot of people <laughs> had know? issue because they're like, how did this motherfucker get a big, huge piece of Stonehenge and, like, right. shipped over right. to the middle of nowhere? Uh, it was really and season of the Druid, plan? you know? Right. Like, not really. Mm. Yeah. And also, what like what was your plan, dude? You kill all the kids on Halloween night? That's they it. They were all wearing your mask. Sure wouldn't take long for fucking authorities to figure that one out. For real. What was your what was your backup plan? Dude? I'm gonna tell you. What's I'm gonna tell you who game? would not have been affected by that. The haunted heart, because we do what? Make our own costumes. Exactly. <laughs> uh uh-uh. uh. Uh uh-uh. uh. And getting trapped up in nobody else's mask, and getting taken over by. No, it. I mean look at it. You've got the um. You've got. Might those get trapped masks. in my mask because I've super glued it to my face because it wouldn't stick. Amen. <laughs> uh, I think goosebumps. The haunted mask. Yeah. She went out and bought a mask. Mm-hmm. Look what happened. No. No. Don't do it. Make your own shit. Melt down that plastic. 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 <laughs> plastic. That plastic casket, girl. Plastic casket, honey. <laughs> Hashtag plastic casket. Don't do it. No, we can't make that go viral. No. Plastic caskets would be very bad for our environment. We yeah. need caskets made of wood. True. Or just burn yourself. Or, you know, cremation, as others call it. <laughs> <laughs> Just burn yourself. Just burn yourself. <laughs> right. So they realized that that was a huge, huge fuck up. And so in 1988, they brought Michael back for Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Can Myers. Can we just say, like, most of these, the first Halloween movie is my favorite. Most of these movies that were happening in the interim of the 80s are not my favorites. However... How amazing would it have been to live in an environment where you get a new fucking Halloween movie every, like, two years? Brand For real. fucking new. We wouldn't have done shit else with our lives. Nope. <laughs> would not. Absolutely would not. So Halloween 4 actually introduces, um, well, I guess at the time it didn't, but they start out with, um, so Halloween 4 is about Jamie Lee's daughter. Uh, and Jamie Lee supposedly died in a car wreck. Um, and so Michael is now after his niece as opposed to his sister. So in Halloween, Halloween 4, 1988, that was directed by Dwight H. Little and written by Alan B. McElroy. And at this point, John and Deborah had signed away all of the rights to Mustafa Akkad uh, because Mustafa wanted to bring Michael back into the picture as a flesh and blood character. John and Deborah did not. Mm-hmm. So they were at a disagreement. And so John and Deborah signed away all of their rights. 
So it was from at this point on that they had no nothing to do influence with it. Yeah. in with the series. Yeah. Um, we were introduced to a great little actress by the name of Danielle Harris. Mm-hmm. Love, love, love her. She is so cute mm-hmm. in this series because it's like four, five, and six. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just can't get enough of her. I think she's she absolutely is adorable. Cute. What's she doing now? Um, she's still with us? What's going on with her? Yeah, no, she was in... Well, she still has a website, danielleharris.org. Oh, hell yeah. No, she doing? was in... Um, Please don't be an exotic dancer. <laughs> no, she was in one of the... She was in one of the... She was in the Rob Zombie Halloween remake, actually. Oh. <clears throat> Which will... Yeah, that that's coming. Um, <laughs> yes. So, in Halloween 4, you had George P. Wilbur, who was cast as Michael Myers... <laughs> George P. Wilbur. God, what a name. He had to wear hockey pads under the costume to make himself look more physically You know imposing. who didn't have to do that? Nick Castle. For Zaddy. Zaddy. Zaddy Nicky. Yeah, and he was often filmed in mirror reflections or off-center so that the audience could witness him in pieces rather than having an encompassing view. Hmm. Probably because he was uh, a little shrimpish in that encompassing view. Going, how awkward would that be? We're so just we're gonna just show gonna, parts of you. We're just gonna film you from the mirror. You know what? That's kind of my Instagram strategy. But we, <laughs> you just can't rip show on, you parts. You can't rip on him. He was sweet though. He would often um, he would make sure that Danielle wasn't too scared by regularly taking off his mask Aww. and just making sure that she knew that he wasn't gonna actually murder her. Well, that's sweet. It's nice. I, I but all right. That. So my issue though is these masks for four, five and six were girl. God awful. Girl. No, it was God awful. How so. does a mask get fat girl? <laughs> I'm just saying, how does a mask get fat? So they thought that they could reuse the, um, the original captain Kurt mask. Yeah. But it was long gone at that point. Yeah. And so they purchased a new one from a local cost- costume shop. The producers wanted to, t- and this is, they had the audacity to do this shit. The producers wanted to test and see what it would look like without the edits to the mask. So just your basic fucking Captain Kirk mask. Oh, okay. Without painting it white. But also, that's just Captain Kirk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're just wearing like a weird Shatner skin there. Yep. So they filmed it. Realized that, that was a fucking dumbass decision. How how much did they film like they that? They filmed a lot the of the whole it. fucking many scenes. Because I yep. feel like it would take one scene. I feel like it would take literally you putting the mask over your face, yeah, looking like shit, and then me being like, "No, we need to." No, fix they it. had to go back and reshoot several scenes. Okay. And there's actually a blooper because there's one scene um, when. Dr. Loomis is thrown through a glass door that Michael comes up behind him, and you can see the unaltered face and blonde hair of Michael. Great. Good. I didn't realize that, so I'm actually going to have to go back and check that and yeah, see if I, I can find it. Yeah, I didn't know that it. either. But that is an egregious error. Well, I had heard that there was a rumor that you saw his face, but I thought it was just a rumor. I didn't I didn't realize that it was um, tragic. Yeah, no. <laughs> Oh, no. So here is also where we start to continue the storyline of 
trying to figure out what Michael Myers is about. Mm-hmm. So you have four. He's chasing his fucking niece. Um, and then at the end of it, she's like standing at the top of the stairs and she has done, she's in her clown costume mm-hmm. and has stabbed this lady who was her, not her foster mom. I can't remember exactly. Um, has stabbed her with a pair of scissors in the similar, in the same vein as what, as when Michael was, was right. a little one in a right. little clown mask. Right. So they tried to mirror that. Like as when Michael was a little one. Yeah. <laughs> so they tried to mirror that a little bit, and that's sort of how that ended. Yeah. So it leaves you thinking, oh, shit, like, is she She's now... the new Michael. Right. Right. Is she the new Michael? Right. No. No? No, not at all. So then, Halloween 5, 1989, year I was born. What's up? <laughs> how you doing? 1989. <laughs> you have the revenge of Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was directed by this guy named Dominique and he was actually introduced to Mustafa Akkad by Deborah Hill. So Deborah Hill is what brought him, brought this guy who wrote or or who directed the revenge of Michael Myers to Mustafa. So Mm -hmm. she was the reason. So I guess that is like their, her like last influence on Halloween. Right. Um, and again, it continues the storyline of Jamie Lloyd. And at this point, she's traumatized. And she's not speaking. She is just all kinds of fucked up from being almost murdered. Uh, and so this ends with Michael being incapacitated by Loomis and taken to a police station to await transport. Jamie Lloyd's fabulous line of evil never dies reflects the nature of Michael. And it's at this point that a strange man in black comes in and attacks the police station, killing all of the officers and releasing Michael once again. (laughs) So that leads you into Halloween six, Mm -hmm. the curse of Michael Myers. (laughs) In 1995. And at this point, he was cursed. He was cursed. So, Halloween 6. Um, I I hate and love this one. No, I'm going to tell you what. No. I, I like this one. 4 and 5, meh. 6, I do like, even though it's... Problematic. Problematic. Yeah. Because they really get into why he's doing what and he's doing. And that's why I don't like it. But I like it because, A, we're introduced to Paul Rudd for the first time mm-hmm. as Danny, as the grown-up version of Danny. Yeah. Um, and it's also the final appearance of Donald Pleasance because he died a little bit before this movie was, was released. Mm-hmm. And he was sick during the filming. So he right. filmed this while he was sick. Right. Um, so it's dedicated to him. Right. So I like it for those aspects. It's also very, like... Early 90s Halloween. There's lots of, like, vintage Halloween fall vibes going on in it, mm-hmm. which I like. But they introduced the Curse of the Thorn. Yeah. Which is silly. Right. And do so, you just want to give everybody a refresher on the Curse of the Thorn, just in case? Yeah, I mean... Because we are in the fucking weeds now. 
Yeah, so the curse of the the curse of the fucking thorn. That was like this it's sort of like this druid cult like thing where they have like a sacrifice or like a kid is sacrificed to carry this curse to where they have to they're given immortality but are driven to kill their next of kin. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's supposed to be like about blood sacrifices and all that good shit. You know, let's cause all this havoc so we can have a good year of corn. Um, <laughs> like, uh, so Halloween 6 starts, you have a, a little bit older Jamie Lloyd, and she's been taken by this cult. They have done impregnated her. They've got Michael. And, yeah, so it's all kinds of weird. They I release think her. This no, one is nurse. the craziest one. It's just very all over the map. I do recommend watching it. It is a very fun watch, but you have to kind of take what you you have to take all of your dignity in the franchise and just kind of give it a vacation. Give yeah. it a couple hours off. Set it aside. Don't go in with any pride because there's no pri- there's no pride to be found here. There is no dignity in this movie. However, it's fun. Like it's I do it is fun. It's fun. Um they actually had Everybody loves a cult pregnancy. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean there were and I So they reshot actually they actually reshot a couple of um they have a different ending to this that is actually um kind of hard to find if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So in what is called the producer's cut Kara, one of the characters, is to be used as a human sacrifice for Myers and awakens at Smith's Grove Sanitarium because at this point it's revealed that Smith's Grove is like an undercover thing for this cult. Oh. Yeah. Um, so she awakes, awakens on a concrete slab surrounded by the cult's followers and she is ultimately saved by Tommy who uses runes to stop Michael from pursuing them. Girl. Right. And so they escape with Jamie's newborn baby. And Jamie had died at this point. Um, no. In the cut that you saw, she died at the beginning. And then I think they also filmed her living more towards the end, but they didn't use it. But they escape with her newborn baby. And it's implied by Kara in the film that the baby is a product of incest between Jamie and Michael. Mm. Ugh. Later, after telling the others he has got a little business to attend to, Loomis walks back into the sanitarium to find a seemingly defeated Michael lying on the floor of the main hallway. Upon removing the mask, Loomis finds Dr. Wynn, who was forced by Michael to switch outfits so he could escape. With his dying breath, Wynn grabs Loomis's hand and says, It's your game now, Dr. Loomis. And after Wynn dies, the thorn symbol appears on Loomis's wrist, realizing now that Loomis himself is now Loomis himself is now to act as the leader of the cult. He screams in terror and despair, and this scream is heard as ambient noise in the final frame. Final frame of the theatrical cut, because in the theatrical cut, you just see him going back, and then you just hear Doctor Loomis screaming, and you never really know why. Um, so that is, they had filmed all of that and then cut it, thankfully. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Like, damn. So. 
That's interesting. I want to see that cut now. I do too. I yeah. wonder, I haven't watched, I'm, I may have it. I don't know. It's like a bonus feature. As a, yeah, because I bought the box set um, hmm. last year. So I wonder if it has that bonus feature on there. I'm not sure. I'll have to look at it. Um, and then, of course, my second favorite Halloween, Halloween H2O. H2O. So this is, and I've mentioned this numerous times before when we've talked horror movies, but Halloween H2O in 1998 is probably my, mm, it's in my top. Mm-hmm. It's in your top. It's in my top. It's in your top. It's in my top. Uh, the mask is still terrible. I love the mask. I think uh, that I love the mask. No. I don't mind the mask, actually. Uh, I don't like the mask from it. But everything else is golden. Oh, fuck yeah. Then fucking. So this is when you actually have chains, the first. Her aggression, her unchecked alcoholism. Right. <laughs> Functioning alcoholic. You know, functioning being the key word. Optimism, glasses half full of vodka. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) So this was our first actual retcon for the series in which we completely eliminate the storylines of four, five, and six, thankfully. And Jamie Lee reprises her role as Lori Strode alongside her mother, Janet Lee, which was really cool. Yes. Um. And actually, John Carpenter was originally stated slated to return as director because Jamie Lee wanted to bring back the original team. Mm. However, John wanted a three-part deal with Dimension Films, which was declined. Mm. So he said, well, fuck you. He wanted a three-part deal with him and Deborah, Or him and... No, he wanted a three-part deal with, like, three movies. Oh, he wanted three movies. Yeah. Okay. And they, and they said... Did. They said no. Maybe not. So he Maybe declined. H2O. Oh, and the actual, um, the original working title was Halloween 7, The Revenge of Laurie Strode. Oh. Which is kind of cool, but also kind of cheesy. It is. Uh, it is. I kind of, I like H2O. I do too. I mean, you've got that 90s vibe. It's like 90s punk goth, almost. You've got... Creed, you've got... Fuck yes, Creed. Fuck Jamie yes, Lee. pencil thin eyebrows. Fuck yeah. You've got, like, schoolgirl school uniforms. Mm-hmm. Like, you've got fucking LL Cool J. <laughs> you do. You do, unfortunately, have LL Cool J. <laughs> he was awesome. <laughs> he did a great job. I loved it. He did a great job. Did you know that Joseph Gordon-Levitt's in that movie? Oh, Yes. Joseph Weird. And also that girl. Who's the other girl? Um, she played Marilyn Monroe. Um, uh, um, I can't think of her name. That girl. She was with Heath. Um, Heath uh, Michelle Williams. Yeah, Michelle Williams. She's the one who had the pencil thin brows that I was talking about. That one. Yeah. Uh, H2O was a huge success um, at the time. And it was at the time it was one of the highest grossing Halloween films, uh, with a return of about like fifty five million dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So you also had because it's sort of like this year's Halloween, but in nineteen ninety eight. That was great. That was a great description. 
No, but I mean, seriously, though. It's sort of like the serious Halloween. No, I get what you're trying to say. Like, the the original film came out in 1978. You've had 20 years. There, the dynasty has sort of been built up at that point. So in 98, when people kind of revisit it, it has that, like, um, sacred sort of vibe somewhat. Um, and so, Jamie Lee comes back, and, and right, and Jamie Lee comes back. So it's there's a lot years. of similarities. Yeah. There's a lot of buildup. Um, yeah, but God, her performance is just so great in that yes. movie. Yes, yes, uh, yes. And so then that leads into Halloween Resurrection, which came up in 2002, which was directed by Rick Rosenthal, who did Halloween Two. Yes. Um. So they were left with a bit of a dilemma. So when Jamie Lee Curtis wanted to end the series at Halloween H2O, uh, Mustafa Akkad had a clause that legally would not allow the writers to kill Michael Myers. Mm. So according... As it should be. Yeah. According to the Blu-ray released by Screen Factory, Curtis almost left the project just weeks before filming until Kevin Williamson came up with the paramedic storyline and presented it to Akkad. Curtis finally agreed to be a part of the film under the condition that no footage hinting towards a sequel would be presented by the film and that the audience would believe that Michael was dead until the inevitable sequel was announced. Hmm. So, yes. Um, Howling Resurrection, not that great. It's kind of stupid. It's one of my least favorites. You've got a lot of... They introduced a lot of technology because it's 2002. Yeah. So they've got like their fucking sidekicks or whatever you want to fucking call it. The fucking Motorola Razor phones. I see. They've got the little fucking like instant chats. Yeah. And that's what they use to help, you know, help the girl with... Mm -hmm. To escape Michael. Right. It's very like that um, fear factor storyline back then so they took a lot of yeah. modern influences with it at the time and it just eh, it's not one of my favorites and I think it it was like they, they received it received like moderate reviews so and plus you fucking killed Jamie Lee Curtis at the beginning fuck you motherfucker yeah, yeah. no fuck you no. bye uh, it does not deserve a beginning of the credits I death. will I will give them I did love some Tyra Banks in that movie. You just love Tyra Banks, though, bitch. I do, but I love Tyra Banks. Um, and you have Busta Rhymes, who with his famous line, trick or treat, motherfucker. That was a good line. When That's he true. fucking blew up Michael Myers at the end. That was a good line. It had a couple of good moments, but overall, I do YouTube that from time to time. So, um, and then you have the, the, so that was that. 2007, you had trash. <laughs> hey, hey, we're trash. As and well. also, yeah, again, in 2009, you had more trash. Listen, and I'm going to tell you what. I love me some Rob Zombie. I do. Uh, I like his music. And I love every other film that he does, most of them. But his, like, white trash grindhouse filter on yeah. Michael. yeah. Just doesn't work. No. It just doesn't work. Not at all. I think it could work. I think it could be 
scary. I think it could be compelling, but it's a different character, and that's the problem that I have. It it could be... I don't think that those movies in themselves are... Um, I don't think those movies in themselves are bad. I just think that's not Michael. It's it's Michael's very mischaracterized, and because of that, that is why I can't watch them. Um, I think in themselves, had it been a totally different character, had it been a totally different killer with a totally different profile, I would understand. I oh. would be down with those movies potentially because I do like that Grindhouse vibe. Like, oh, I love it. House of a Thousand Corpses is one of my favorite movies. Right. And I but absolutely love it. Halloween. Devil's Rejects, I'm all about it. 31, love it. I right. mean, like, I love literally, and I don't even care that he uses like the same formula and hires his wife for every single role. I mean, that's you know, sweet. I do love it. Do what works. I love it. Do what works. <laughs> so right. Sherry Moon Zombie, brilliant. I could watch her in every fucking Rob Zombie movie that he makes from now until the end of time. Um, but this, it just didn't work for me. He sought out to sort of give that psychological background on why mm-hmm. serial killers, you know, do what they do. Right. And the acting, especially from the young kid, is really great. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not the acting that's the issue for me um, on his part. It's just everything else. Yeah, it's just very... I don't like that you... I don't... I've said this before in the podcast. In fact, I think somebody posted about it this week. But I don't like that Michael runs in those films. Oh, yeah. He should never run. He doesn't run. You run. That's your job. It's your line is running away screaming, right? And his line is... To pimp walk after you. I've always said that. I will always say that. That's the way it should be. And I just, I don't like how, um, I get that Rob Zombie was trying to, at this point, dismantle, not dismantle, but I get that he was trying to redefine Michael as something that is not necessarily uh, of mythic proportions. Something that isn't supernatural per se, but just raw human power and passion and what have you. I get that. But why? Like, you know what I mean? That's like me saying, I'm going to take this dragon, this movie that is literally about dragons. Then I'm going to be like, but what if like they weren't magical? Like what if they weren't dragons? I'm going to give you this podcast. (laughs) And what if you, what if it wasn't, what if you actually, had hosts that gave a fuck. <laughs> no, I get what you're saying. You know, like was, it's just like it's redefining the thing, but at some point you have to ask yourself, like, what's the point of redefining this? Or am I just making a different serial killer that has different motivations and a different way of functioning? Yeah, I mean, if it had been a different serial killer, if it had just been a man or right. whatever, right, like, and not Michael Myers, right. It would have been amazing. Yes, but Michael Myers is literally listed. If you Google mythical creatures, Michael Myers is on many lists of mythical creatures under the M's. Yeah. Check it out yourself. He's there. Yeah, and and then it was like in 2009 when he did Halloween 2, it was just like he just didn't give a fuck anymore. Uh Uh-uh. Like, 
the mask was all sorts of fucked up. He was wearing like, if I'm not mistaken, he's wearing like a fucking raincoat, like a parka. Yeah. I'm like, what? I'm sorry, what? It's just like completely no trace of Michael left. No. Which would have been fine if he was doing his own thing, but because we had the Halloween name attached to it, that's why I get so. And there are people who will, like, I'm sure that there are people who listen to our podcast who love the Rob Zombie remakes who will fight us tooth and nail on it. But I just, I can't, it's not that it's bad in itself. I do enjoy it in itself. It's just that it's not, it is not Michael. Yeah. Period. No, 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 it's not. And the one thing that I do kind of like is Rob Zombie's storyline was the same, like Michael and the sister Lori. But it was more about not it, – it, it was more about trying to find her because he obsessively loves her than it was about just trying to murder her. Because in the mm. first reboot, she was a baby and he was being abused as a kid. And he had, like, a connection with his baby sister. Uh-huh. And then, you know, shit happens. She grows up and he's like fucked at this point. And so it becomes like this mental state where he's trying to get back to his baby sister. Now, would he have killed her? Probably. Yeah. But it was more of like that toxic like. It was like homeward bound. But yeah, also just trying to horrifying. find your way home. But just also trying like. To find your way will... home through the bodies of all these people. Right. And he will fucking <laughs> probably still murder you. <laughs> yeah. Like and if you cry, he will want to keep you down in a basement. And that's where he'll want to keep you, his baby sister. Maybe. I feel like he would live in the basement, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like but he you would can't be like, you can basement. live upstairs, but you can't. You think he's going to let you go no. up and get some a pumpkin spice latte? Do you latte? think he's going to let you go to Chuck E. Cheese? No. Is he going to let you go upstairs and get a pumpkin spice latte? Do no. you have pumpkin spice money? He certainly no. doesn't work a job. No. So how Here's are you this... supporting this household? How are you paying for this basement? Here's this dead rat, bitch. <laughs> Eat it raw. Enjoy. I ain't got no kindling. Listen. We ain't cooking it. I work hard to support this dirt I floor. I murder you're hard to on. support this dirt floor. <laughs> right. <laughs> I murder hard for this. Yeah. I murdered a bitch so you could have her clothes. <laughs> you know what though? That is certainly a level of service. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. I'm just saying, would you do that for me? Would you? Um no, I would just and just go to JCPenney. <laughs> just go to JCPenney. Yeah, like they did in the first one for Jamie Lee's uh, wardrobe. They spent like True. less than $100. I believe it. At the JCPenney. I believe it. Especially 1970s money because $100 is You got JCPenney like... money? That's what they told. <laughs> That's what they told Jamie Lee at the start of it. <laughs> you got JCPenney money? She's like, yes, I do actually. Yes, actually. I'm I've got $100. Oh, oh. okay. We'll go buy your fucking wardrobe. Well, well we don't. So I don't have no budget, bitch. Clothes. I have no budget. I understand that. I feel that deeply in my soul. Right. So at this point, if you are still watching and you have not watched the new film. If you're watching, oh, maybe. What are you watching? We're talking about movies. Because we're <laughs> you're not watching us. I hope. That would be scary. If you're still watching your porn, 
<laughs> <laughs> then I need you to shut it off. If you and were watching porn while listening to this show, baby, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say maybe get checked out. Like maybe just go to the therapist and just oh, make sure no. everything's on the up and up. Don't don't listen to porn in this show at the same time. Uh, why not? Don't watch porn and mute it and then listen to the show over the porn. Why not? I just feel like that's just Don't judge people. for some fucking bad shit to happen. Why are you judging people? You're the sex positive person here, Katie. I am, but I'm just saying, baby, there is a, I have always maintained that there is a very, very, very thin, thin line between like being like all into weird sexy kinks and shit and then like also being a sociopathic murderer or a psychopathic murderer and like... If you flip that fucking switch, you can't flip it back, man. I'm I'm actually actively afraid of that. Like some sort of like weird thing where you just happen to be masturbating and then all of a sudden you witness a murder at the exact same moment as you come and then forever you're just totally fucked in the brain and you just have to like jump off a cliff because there's no going back. You did witness a murder. Those actors murdered that pussy. <laughs> <laughs> what? That was lame. That was so lame. I didn't even know what you were talking about. I don't know. No. So if you are derail, listen. I'm giving you a fucking warning right now, bitch. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Turn this shit off right now if you haven't watched it yet and you don't want to hear my fucking Where's opinion. Where's our tone? Where's our tone? Boop tone. Boop tone. <laughs> Boop. I just don't even know really what to say. Now that we're alone, you who have watched the new Halloween movie, we who have watched the new Halloween movie, I just, there were tears. So many tears. There were smiles. There were head nods. Of deep appreciation. Mm -hmm. Kenny almost drew blood because he grabbed my hand so hard that my rings cut into the flesh of my hand. And I did. (laughs) I was very happy. I... Here's the thing. If you have less than a glowing review of this film, fuck you. (laughs) Just straight up fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. If you don't have a glowing review of this film, you don't know shit. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Your opinion's irrelevant. Kenny's like, I'll fight you right now. I'll fight you in the street. I will. Come to my house. No, Here's my I got address. so pissed off because I was looking at the trailer. Because, um, you know, I watch. I like to watch the trailer over and over. Yes. I still watch the trailer. Yes. And people that have now seen it are like, I don't understand. I thought she had a son. What happened to that little girl? No, but they explain that. Right. No, but they explain that so in like the idiots. first like 20 minutes of the movie. Right. So these are idiots that come into it and they are literally commenting, I just, I was so confused. I didn't understand. I thought she had another daughter. Where's this daughter come from? I thought she had a son. I thought, wasn't she a headmistress? Won't she a teacher? What's she doing? <laughs> And I'm literally Can scrolling you imagine, through these though, comments. If you if you miss that part of the film, 
I'm literally scrolling through these comments like, what the fuck are you doing? How are you, do you not, like, research a fucking movie before you go and watch it? Like, uh, you know I mean, what I mean? probably not, honestly, but. But I mean, it's but like. But they do say it in the movie. Like, you don't, random- you, you genuinely do not have to research the movie beforehand because they literally wrote it into the film. Well, no, they you just the literally got to watch it. No, the only thing that they wrote in was that they told you that he wasn't his sister. He wasn't her sister. She, she well, wasn't his sister. Well, they basically tell you, though, that all of that is scrapped. No. I would imagine that that would scrap all the rest of it, right? Well, you would think, but people are fucking idiots. <laughs> and I mean, and that's just a few people because the film has gotten glowing, glowing reviews. reviews. It has smashed the fucking box office. Like, it has fucking. It's like what? It's the number one movie ever with like a female lead over over fifty five. Over that's 55. what I was going to talk about. That to me. Um, so I love the franchise. I've always loved the franchise. You guys know I love Michael. I always talk about how I love Michael, and yes, that's a huge part of it. But for me, in this movie, it's about women. It's about the most badass final girl we've ever had, and now here she is, and she's not a final girl anymore. She's, she's a, a final, final woman. woman. And she is real looking and beautiful and not not glamorous, not made up, not false. She she looks like herself and she is messy and unevenly cut, um, so to say, and she has mental illness issues. Um, which is a whole nother side street that we could go down. Um, You know, she has things that she's dealing with and she still manages to be a badass. And I think um, that to me means a lot because it's very rare that we get a movie like this where we do have a female lead who is over 55 and who frankly looks it like, you know, and isn't, well, I mean, trying she looks to good. be anything. She looks amazing. She looks beautiful, but, but she looks beautiful real. in a real way. Yeah. Right. She's not trying to be because I feel like so often we see people who are in their 40s or 50s or whatever, specifically women, who are trying to look 30. And it, she, Jamie Lee, one of the things I love about her is she doesn't do that. She looks like she looks. She looks like herself. And she's it doesn't hurt that she's also fucking beautiful. But I love that we have that narrative. I love that it's, you know, her and her daughter and her granddaughter. And so we have three generations of the Strode family who are clearly have that badass gene. Um, and I think that it, it means a lot to me, the movie like that with such, you know, girl power did so well at the box office and, you know, has gotten the accolades that it has gotten. Yeah. And worldwide, it's grossed just under 107 million, I think. Yeah. I think that's million. Um, to be honest with you, I've never read boxofficemojo.com, so it could be billions. I don't know. I don't think it's billions, baby. <laughs> is, is 106 billion a lot? Yeah. That's like, that's a lot, right? Yeah. Okay. It is. We'll, we'll stick with just under 107 million then. Yeah. So I loved. Michael in this film. I mean, I love him always, but 
he so let's he felt point like, out a few. He felt like Michael. He felt yes. like movie number one, Michael. Yes and no for me. Well, correction. He felt like forty years later, movie number one, Michael. Yes and no for me. Really? So yes. He definitely felt like he was Michael. Yes. But I felt like Michael was a little more brutal. In this one? Yes. Huh. The kills were a little more brutal. Mm, true. The kid. The kid who's killed the in the car. The kid was different. I was yeah. like not expecting that. Me either. No. Because if you'll recall that that film and see what the movie does that's so brilliant. It doesn't, they didn't just rewrite the first movie because that would have been way too easy. But what they did do was set up situations where the this movie frames the first movie. So there's a scene in the first movie where they're at you know, the uh, mental hospital and, you know, Michael steals the car from the nurse, right? Yeah. And she's not harmed. She gets the shit scared out of her, but she's not harmed. And I thought that what we were setting up with the boy and his dad and they see the overturned bus and the dad gets out of the car and goes to investigate. Obviously he's going to die because he's in Michael's way. But the boy was not necessarily specifically in Michael's way, and yet he is murdered too. So I think that was a way of setting the tone early on for, like, the rules are different now. Yeah, it was very much the rules are different because, like, you always expected Michael in the original, like, he, if you were in his way or had slighted him, right? he was coming for you. Right. And there's nothing you can do to stop At that. his end game, which was always Lori. If you right. were somewhere in that path between him and Lori, that He's was it. He's going through you. Right. right. But if you just step out of the way, most of the time you're fine. For the most part. But not in this part. film. So, yes, that's a great example or a great explanation. Like, the game's changed. Right. He's just fucking... It's sort of like um now instead of being a laser beam that's focused on getting to Lori, he's a wrecking ball that is just Miley Cyrus taking out everything in a wide Oh my load fucking god. To Lori. <laughs> just Miley Cyrus Michael with a Michael on a mask ball. on swinging. I'm into it. Michael with the mask and his boots and then nothing else. The fucking on the wrecking teeth. ball. The, the teeth. teeth. The teeth was, was a beautiful choice. I would like to shake the hand of whoever came up with the teeth. Yes. Um, Can we also just say, when we saw the trailer, I thought that the two people who went to see Michael like, in the um, mental asylum to interview him, I thought they were reporters of some kind. I thought they were journalists. When they said that they were podcasters, no, I think that was I a lie. Audibly squealed. It was a lie. No, I think they were they're like actual journalists. But he was like, he was like, are we sure they're podca- not podcasters? Baby, they're not podcasters. Why? That what was like a, do they work for? That was like a joke thing. I don't know. I don't know about it. Might be real. They weren't podcasters. There was a moment where they came up. And they said that they were like writing a book. Um, oh, so they told a lot of different stories. So they stories. told a lie to get so that Lori would like let them in. Oh. She was like, he was like, oh, we're oh, podcasters. Oh, so Lori likes podcasters, but not journalists. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, it was just like a, I think that was like a little moment. They were not podcasters. Oh, I thought they were podcasters. No, you just wanted them to be podcasters. I don't podcasters. know about that. I'm going to rewatch it. You know what, guys? Jury's out. I'm literally fucking telling you, <laughs> I, my eyes were peeled to the whole fucking movie. I don't know my what too. you were doing. Uh, no, too. you just heard fucking podcasters just and then just assumed that it. they were now podcasters. I mean, they did say it. Yeah, but it wasn't. I mean, but we Katie, said it. Katie, you're wrong. <laughs> you're wrong. I'm open to that possibility. But anyway, <laughs> um, no, I found him much more brutal. Um, if I had one critique for the film, and I don't even know that it's a critique, but I'm merely pointing it out. They showed Michael a lot more mm-hmm. than what I would have guessed mm-hmm. they would have. Mm-hmm. So like there's that scene like where the journalist or podcaster podcaster right. is walking into the station, the gas station or whatever, and you visibly see Michael right. in the background right. beating up the mechanic. Right. You wouldn't have seen that. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't have seen him move and go into places. Right. You're talking um, about you wouldn't have seen in the original. You would not have seen that. Yeah. Like his original yeah. like characterization. Right. You didn't get a lot. Like he was just the shape and he just appeared. You know what I mean? Um, right. They showed a lot more of his movements, which I think made him a little more human. Mm-hmm. So I definitely thought they brought a level of humanity mm-hmm. to Michael. Well, too, because Michael has, you know, we see Lori um, having aged from being this teenager, right, to now she's this weathered, she's this weathered woman. And we see the same change in Michael. You know, Michael is not, you know, at his necessarily I don't want to say he's not at his prime because he can still kill a motherfucker but like you do they don't keep the issue of aging away from him they don't exclude him from that sort of aging thing you you do see certain signs you see that his facial hair is white or you see that like certain parts of his hair are white yeah. you see that change in him and and you read it too in his body movements um you kind of it's clear that he has aged and they aged the mask too to kind of give you that same effect yeah so that you kind of he was included in the time that has passed and it's not like he's you know the exact same michael that he was in the first film no not at all because of course this film obviously like we talked about at the beginning of our discussion, discounts everything that happened after the first movie. So it's as though that happened in a time capsule and then here we are revisiting it 40 years later. Everything else in the middle is just scrapped. Yeah. Yeah. It. I, I, I just loved it. I literally, I just, I can't praise the film enough. I will be buying it. I mean, of course, let's be, let's be honest with you. Even if it was shit, we would still be buying it. Right. But now we will buy it and be happy because it's actually like good. Yeah. No, it's fucking phenomenal. The music is awesome. Mm Mm-hmm. And John Carpenter, um, 
learning that Carpenter was in on it, I think is what Halloween fans needed. I don't think that Halloween fans would have been down for another remake had he not endorsed it. They probably would have gone to see it. They probably would have trickled out. But I think him kind of throwing his blessing onto the project definitely did a world of good. And he actually did visit the set, and he he wasn't on set for long. He definitely was very, it sounds like, from all the sources that I read, he was very courteous about letting it be Bloomhouse's project. Mm -hmm. Um, And he trusted them to develop it and work with it. But he did visit the set and kind of, like, see everybody and kind of kind of physically bring his blessing to yeah. well what he was gave his on. like stamp of approval on the the script and all of that too. Yeah. So yeah, I mean I definitely can see John's influence of, and I love I mean his his score, amazing. There was actually a moment, several moments that I cried, but one of the moments was right when he after he kills everybody at mm-hmm. the gas station. Mm-hmm. And he goes to put on his mask, mm-hmm. and they do that like slow, like do 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 do, and then mm-hmm. he just slowly puts it on, and it's like all is right with the world now, <laughs> but also so wrong. <laughs> but also so right. <laughs> no, what got me was the um, the new theme that had the when we when we had it reprised i think is when it was it was later in the movie it was definitely past the halfway mark um that like almost like a foghorn it was like so like you had a very i don't want to say predictable because it's not necessarily predictable but it's familiar the familiar halloween theme with the kind of like electronica vibe and you think you know where it is, and then all of a sudden he drops that on you that's never been there before, and that was like a very, like I had it. We both of us had a very like physical reaction to that because we were like, "Fuck!" Oh like, yeah. And you you know if you've watched Halloween a million times, like we have, like a difference like that that's so jarring definitely helped kind of put me more in the film you know what I mean and it built up my emotion so much more and Carpenter's great with that um when it comes to music he's very he's so awesome at manipulating me in ways that don't make me mad that I'm being manipulated right because they're just so good yeah um and I mean a lot of people's like a lot of critiques and stuff that I've read of the people that aren't they're kind of upset that, like, the way it ended, they felt like it was a little too abrupt. And I can see where they get that feeling. I can see that, but then again, the original Halloween, the ending is very abrupt. He falls yeah. over the balcony, and that is it. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? And then we go back and we look, and he's not there. Like, it's very, it's very abrupt. Yeah. It's the nature of what it is. It's the nature of... Um, the story that they're trying to tell. Yeah, I just feel like people are so used to getting that, like, twist ending. Right, or an explanation. Or, like, an explanation. That's the issue. I think that people, we explain a lot of horror nowadays, and honestly, it's much scarier to not have a reason. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, it kind of reminded me a little bit of, like, the end of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. She's in the back of the truck. And Very And you just get so. that, like... 
like it just cuts and or not yeah. doesn't cut but like the frame freezes yeah and then that's it yeah it very much gave me a texas chainsaw massacre at the at the end and a lot of like old school movies do that right like they cut it yeah and then that was it i think that that was totally it's very clear that and it's not like they just cut it like they zoomed yeah. in on the knife yeah and cut the frame and then it's very clear that uh, Bloom has to their research, that they did their homework. Danny McBride in particular, um, one of the head script writers, uh, and also didn't he help direct too? Uh, Danny yes. McBride. Um, he does his homework, man. He's very, I think a lot of people thought that he was, which we're past this now, but a lot of people thought that he was kind of just like this comedian, this like yokel type dude who um, was going to fuck up these things. And I remember thinking, you know, when when his name became attached to it, I was worried, right? And he was also attached to the uh, Alien reboot that we got. Not necessarily a reboot, but um, to the sequel to Prometheus, which yeah. I can't remember the name of. Alien Resurrection? I don't know. That's I think your... it was Alien Resurrection. That's I know, that's That's your franchise. House. Yeah. Uh, he, when D- McBride was a per- was connected to Alien Resurrection, I was very nervous, um, but he did a great job, and that kind of helped me be a little bit more confident when the news dropped uh, that I think it was shortly after, or maybe shortly before Alien Resurrection came out, that McBride was attached to this. He's really good at doing his homework, and he's really good at matching the tones of classic films. Um, so I would 100% bet you that it came straight out of Texas Chainsaw Massacre because I guarantee you that he watched all of those movies multiple times to kind of get that vibe. And I'm sure that that abrupt ending, since it is so synonymous with that genre and especially with the early days of that genre, the slasher genre, um, I'm sure that was on purpose. Yeah. We're just not used to it now because... That's not our typical movie fare nowadays. But I think it actually worked very well. Yeah, I mean, I didn't have any qualms with it, but I know a lot of people did. Mm-hmm. But they're too basic, so. Uh, they're basic, no, bitches. No, no, no. If you did have a qualm with it, we are interested to know what your thoughts are. And um, we have just spent the past fucking hour going through all of our shit with the Halloween franchise and what we thought of the new movie, and we want to know what you think of the new yeah. movie. Do you think they're going to make a sequel? Do you think they're going to make a sequel? Do you think that the granddaughter is now crazy because she had to fight for her life? Can we just say also, just once for the record, just because I need to, it's not a cage. It's a trap. It's a trap. It is a trap, just like this podcast. You know what? You could describe my lady bits the same way. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's what I'm going to whisper to my husband. We get down the aisle all the way to the end. It's not a cage. It's we a get trap. married, and they say you can now kiss your bride, and I'm going to whisper in his ear. It's not a cage. It's a trap. <laughs> <laughs> and he's going to know then that he is fucked up. For real. I don't know. I think they said that if they wanted to see how the movie would perform, then a sequel may be in the works. Obviously, it has performed. Michael has performed, honey. A sequel was actually in the works before they ever like started shooting this film because originally it was supposed to be two movies. Yes. That they were going to do, but 
in Danny McBride's words, they didn't want to fuck it up. And then they were going to film two films at once, right? And in his words, he didn't want to fuck it up and have to wait a whole nother year for another movie to drop so that everybody could hate him again. Right. So they decided to just do one, smart. see how it went, and then maybe try to do another one, which yeah, is smart. clever. Yes, very clever. But that tells me that they have that some semblance open to it. of a script for Right, that they know where they would one. go. Yeah, for sure. So we'll see. For sure. I don't know. I would enjoy it. So I don't know. I don't know that they're going to get Jamie, though, for a second one. I think this was kind of her one and done. I don't want it to be the case, but I think it may have been. Um, but we'll see. Oh, can I just say how I just realized this? Karen Strode, her initials on that gun was KS. Mm-hmm. Same as mine. Mm. I was like, oh, my initials are in this movie. That's awesome. So anyway, guys, that is our episode for you this evening. It is. We want to hear what you think. Tell us on the Facebook group. If you're not on the Facebook group, you got to join the Facebook group. you got to join the Facebook group. It's so yes. cool. Um, just go to Facebook, search the Haunted Heart Podcast. You will find our group, which is a closed group so that your friends can't see how creepy you actually are. Um, you are safe. It is a safe space with us. If you request to join, we will approve you. The other thing that you will see now when you search the Haunted Heart Podcast on Facebook is our page. We do have a Facebook page. We are going to start putting some more content out through that. We had to do it, essentially. Like, Instagram and Facebook were like, bitch, you got to make this fucking page. So, we made a page. If you will, go like it. That would be really cool. Um, We are also on Instagram at the Haunted Heart Podcast, and we are on Twitter at the Haunted Heart Keep up with us on all the different platforms. We're usually putting shit out on all the different platforms, and it's different shit. So make sure that you're following us everywhere, that you can possibly fucking follow us to stay up on all our bullshit. Um, The other thing is Patreon. We got some shit on Patreon. You should check it out if you want to be on Patreon. Exclusive. Exclusive shit. If you want bonus content, if... This uh, hour or so that you get with us a week is not enough, then you can get more time over on Patreon. And a lot of our Patreon family members are super talented um, and they do things like make free wallpapers for us and do like cool, like downloadable art prints and cool shit like that. So definitely hop over there. Yes. And that's patreon.com slash the haunted heart. Good job. Um, I like how that was teamwork there. The other thing is if you have any um, interesting stories, lately people have been contacting me and um, some of it is happening on the group page too where they're they're going back and listening to old episodes and they're like, oh, I had this really cool story when you guys talked about Ouija boards. Ooh, did you hear that? I said Ouija, not Ouija. Ooh. Mm. Slap my hand. No, people will contact us and be like, oh, I had a really cool story about sleep demons. But, you know, I missed the Sleep Demon episode. Here's the thing. Nobody knows what the episode's going to be about until we announce the episode. So, like, you're, it's okay. (laughs) So if you have a really cool story that's about cults, where we covered secret societies or Sleep Demons from episode two or vampires or any type of shit like that, we always, always, always want to hear listener stories. So shoot us an email, thehauntedheartpodcast at gmail.com. 
Um, shoot us a Facebook message, shoot us an Instagram message. Email is probably the best, but we will read your stories on air and we will all have a great time reminiscing. Yes. So it's that time. It is that time. All right, guys. We've made it to the end of another episode. I'm still alive. I am for right now. (laughs) All right, guys, you know what to do. Remember, as always, stay spooky. spooky.